0: God is calling us to make a difference. Every one of us have a sphere of influence in our lives, and He is calling every one of us to make our life count. There is a passion of love for God. This church is passionate, passionate about reading the Bible, about studying the Bible, about living the Bible. This church cares about Family it cares about children's ministry it cares about youth ministry this church cares about the family it is Passionate about worship. There is a hunger. There is a thirst. There is a desire to worship God this church is passionate about missions I'm telling you, whichever continent that you want to talk about, whichever people group that you want to talk about, this church has a passion to touch as many people's lives around this world and in this region as we possibly can. This church is passionate about caring for people, about having compassion, about giving themselves away to help people. I've never seen it to the depth of this church. God is calling every person to make your life count to be a part of something greater than you, to make a difference in the lives of other people, to recognize a need and stand up and meet that need. He is calling you. I'm gonna ask this church to be who God has called us to be, to reach out and touch the lives of people in our neighborhoods, in our classrooms, at our jobs that do not know Jesus Christ We need to be woken up again to the truth that our friends that don't know Christ are headed to an eternity without Him. That our neighbors who do not know Christ are headed to an eternity without Him. That our classmates who never come to know Christ as Savior are headed to an eternity without God. And God is wanting to galvanize an inescapable call to love and lead. All people to life change in Christ. Well, I recognize that guy's voice, and he's just a good guy. I want to tell you that. When I was, uh, when I was a grade schooler growing up in Oklahoma, every summer, seemed, seemed like almost every day. A group of my friends and I would get together, and we'd choose up sides, and we would play baseball for hours. I, maybe that's where my big love for baseball actually emerged. In grade school, we had, the, we had the greatest time, the most fun. And in Oklahoma, in the summertime, in the hot, hot summertime, there are times in which when the wind is blowing that it actually kicks up what is called a dust devil. This is a picture of a really big dust devil and out in the ball field it didn't look like this. But out in that ball field on summer mornings and afternoons, these little dust devils would emerge on on that baseball field because all the infield was just dirt, no grass for us and we we, uh, would go out and play and these little dust devils would pop up. And when they did... The, the game was suspended immediately. All of us understood the rules. The game was suspended, and they, we all ran as fast as we could trying to catch that dust devil. The goal was to be the guy who got to touch that dust devil before it disappeared. And if you were really lucky, you could, could calculate the path of the dust devil and get right in front of it so that it would then envelop you and cover you with dirt because for a kid, a grade school kid, the goal every day was to get as dirty as you possibly could get. It was just such a fun thing. But the problem was that as soon as you touch one of these dust devils, one of these little whirlwinds, it's gone. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 14 says, I have seen all things done under the sun, most of them meaningless, A chasing after the wind. You know, I've noticed people in in ministries where I've been in my life, I've seen so many people that lived their life as though they were just chasing the wind. They spent their life. They expended their life, but they didn't invest their life. They spent out the days of their life, but they didn't accomplish anything that had eternal value. They didn't invest anything that had eternal value. They're just chasing after the wind. i got to tell you, there I think there's a lot of churches that exist exactly that same way. They go through the motions, they do all the stuff. But at the end of the day, what have they really accomplished in the great mission and purpose that God has given churches to accomplish? It has been more of a chasing after the wind. But I'm going to tell you, not Sugar Creek Baptist Church, not ever. Sugar Creek is a special place. you got to be blind not to see it. And I'm not talking about this church's size by any stretch. I'm talking about the heart of this church. In its 43 years of existence, this church has poured out its life in passion. There has been a deep, deep sense of passion for the call of God upon this church. This church has never allowed itself to become inwardly focused Inwardly focused for a church simply means that it's all about us. We only care about us. We're only doing everything for us. It's all just about us. Inwardly focused churches die. Outwardly focused churches are blessed by God, and that has been the nature of Sugar Creek for as long as I've known this church and a lot longer before that. But did you know that all of us can drift? Even churches can drift and not even be aware that the drift is happening. All of us can experience a drift. I, I remember several years ago, I was out on somebody's lake out in their, their property, and I was on a rowboat by myself, and I was just fishing. And there was no anchor to the boat. I got out in the middle of, of that lake, and I was just fishing. And I fished for a couple of hours, and just, and it was just really a lot of just personal time. I, I, I never really catch many fish. I don't even care. Sometimes they just get in the way because I'm just throwing the hook out there so that I can relax. You know what I'm saying? I'm sometimes not even wanting a fish to get on the hook. But I was out there for a couple of hours just enjoying myself, having a time just for me and prayer and all that kind of stuff. And amazingly, I looked up after I'd been out there a couple of hours, and I could not believe how far I had drifted, how far the boat had gone. And I had not even noticed that this is what drifting's about. And sometimes it can happen to a church. And we can't even detect the drift. So we need, all of us from time to time, the opportunity to sort of come back to our roots. To go back to why are we here? What is this about? Back to the basics. And that's what the series is about. We're in the very short series entitled Who We Are. Coming back to who we are. Last week we got started and the whole idea is to ask and answer uh, several key questions. And last week was to ask and answer the question, where do we start? We discovered that to discover who we are, to come back to who we are, it needs to begin with God, not us. Because coming back to understanding who God is is the key, then, to understanding who we are because he's the one that made us. Coming back to understanding who God is is the key to understanding who we are. And we went, we spent some time in Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah experiences God high and lifted up an amazing experience of the sovereignty, uh, of the power of God, of the holiness of God. And it was in that moment, as we saw last week, that Isaiah began to understand better who he is. And then he came to that statement, here am I, Lord, send me. This morning, I want us to ask and answer this question, why are we here as a church? As a church, why are we here? Why do we exist? And to answer the question, you've got to go back 2,000 years ago, back to Jesus. And we're going to hear Jesus tell us that we have a mission. It begins with, we have a mission. Notice what happens all the way back to the last moments of Jesus' life, his ministry on this earth. Already Jesus has been crucified. Already he is resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says that after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus stayed for 40 days. Not four hours, not four days, 40 days. For 40 days, Jesus was still here on this earth. And not just appearing to the 11 remaining disciples, Judas had, den, had, had, turn, had had turn-coded Jesus, but the not just the other 11 disciples, but the Bible says there were 500 of the followers of Jesus who experienced Jesus during those 40 days. He was appearing to different ones. He was talking and walking with the, these followers of his, explaining to them, this is what the, the crucifixion meant. This is what the resurrection is about. This is what I'm calling you to be and do and the last words of Jesus at the end of those 40 days is recorded for us in Matthew in two passages one is Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20 and listen to what Jesus says Jesus came and told his disciples I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth therefore Because of my authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hey, this is crystal clear. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus says to us, this is why you exist. This is what I've called you to do. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's crystal clear. Our mission as a church is to reach and disciple others so that they might reach and disciple others, so that they could reach and disciple others until every person on the face of this earth has heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and been able to make a decision to know this God or reject Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have been given this call. Our purpose of existence is to share Jesus Christ with this world. And this church has taken that on. This church has taken that seriously. This church has never been about our own comfort, just doing stuff for us, just being inwardly focused. This church has been about the call of God. One day when I was praying and and just having a quiet time I I felt like God really presented this question to me and I wrote it down as soon as my quiet time was finished and and I want to read this question I hurried and wrote it down and I've thought about this so many times and here's the question when we accept Jesus as our Savior why does God not just take us home to be with him right then why do we have to go through all this mess all this struggle, all this difficulty, living through this life, when we receive Christ as Savior, why doesn't God just take us home immediately to be with Him? Well, I've heard people answer that question this way, that the central core of our existence on this earth is to glorify God. Well, we are to glorify God. I love God, don't you? I love Jesus Christ. I want to glorify his name. Just as Jared said a few moments ago, that if we don't praise God, the rocks will cry out, Jesus said. Rocks, you be quiet. We will praise the Lord our God. We will praise Jesus Christ. We glorify him. We love him. We desire to live for him. But can I tell you something? When I get to heaven, I'll be able to glorify him much better than I am in this life with all my sin and all my shortcomings. When I get to heaven, I'll be able to glorify God with total purity. The reason that God did not take me out of this world the moment I accepted Christ and took me to heaven is not primarily so that I could glorify God because glorifying God I can do here and there, but they're better than here. Am I confusing you? No, you make that makes sense, doesn't it? I've had others who have said to me, well, uh, the primary reason for still being here after we come to know Christ is so that we can have fellowship with each other. You know what? I love the fellowship that we have with each other. Can I tell you when I'm not here, I miss you. Can I tell you I need you? You feed my soul. I want to be a part of feeding your soul. We need each other. But can I tell you that our fellowship with each other is going to be a whole lot sweeter and a whole lot deeper in heaven than it is here? Because here we still struggle with all of our problems and all of our personalities and all of our difficulties. We have fellowship here, but when I get to heaven, my fellowship with you is going to be even sweeter than it is here. What I'm saying to you is all these things are true. We, can, we are to praise God. We are to have fellowship with each other, all these things. But there is only one thing that we can do better here than we can do better in heaven. Better here than heaven. And that is to tell other people about Jesus Christ and let them know about this great gospel that is changing our lives. This is the only thing we can do better here than there. And Jesus gave us a commission and said to us, I want you to dedicate the rest of your life to make sure that as many people in your life can come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior as possible. Our church has understood this great commission through this purpose statement. Would you say our purpose with me? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. You didn't see that up on any boards, but from the smallest the oldest in this church we all know this purpose statement to love and lead all people to life change in Christ but what does it mean what is this purpose statement that we quote every Sunday what does this purpose statement mean first of all we cannot argue one person into the kingdom of heaven we cannot debate someone and win the debate and now they'll get saved But we can love them and we can lead them into an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and then a personal decision, hopefully, that they will receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You and I can love people and lead them into a relationship with God. God has called us to be this kind of people. He has called us to be a people that loves each other and loves others that we be known as a people who loves. The greatest power that Christians have in this world is the power of love. Not anger, not protesting, loving. The greatest power that we have, that we can exhibit in this lost world, is to love them. He has called us to love and to lead other people into a relationship with God. It was Jesus who said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love each other. How I, would lo- I desire this church to be known all over this region is that there goes, a- that person from Sugar Creek, there goes somebody that loves somebody. There goes people who love. Second of all, we're to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. Life change simply means coming to know Christ as Savior and then letting God change us from the inside out, from the core of our being, from the inside out, to become like Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says an amazing thing. It says, And for those whom God foreknew, He did also predestine." that you would be conformed to the image of His dear Son. What in the world does that verse mean? For those that God foreknew that we would come to faith in Christ, He predestined that you and I would one day be just like Jesus Christ. God's greatest goal and purpose for your and my life, his greatest work in your and my life, is for you and I to become just like Jesus. So what does that mean? What characteristics of Jesus is God trying to transform us into? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it describes what is called the fruit of the Spirit. And in the description of the fruit of the Spirit are the eight components the eight basic characteristics of the nature of Jesus Christ, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wouldn't you love to be more loving? Anybody? Wouldn't you love to be more loving? Wouldn't you? (laughs) Yeah, anybody? How many of you would love to have more joy? To be a joyous person from the inside out, full of joy. Wouldn't you love to have peace? Just the peace of heart and peace of mind from the core of your being, every part of you, just at peace inside. Wouldn't you love to have more self control? Wouldn't you love to have more patience? Everyone that knows us wishes that we had more patience. Wouldn't you love to have more patience, more gentleness, more goodness? Wouldn't you love to have more faith in God, could trust God for anything? Every one of these characteristics are the characteristics of Jesus. And here is what God has said. My greatest goal in your life is that I'm going to remake you from the inside out to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, I've got great news for you because listen to what that verse says. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine. That word predestined means to predetermine in such a way that it cannot be altered. That you and I who know Jesus as our Savior will one day be just like Jesus. I got good news for you. One day, believe it or not, Mark Hartman is going to be like Jesus Christ. I know. It seems like it can't be possible. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. And in fact, it's been predetermined in such a way it cannot be altered. And the same goes with you. Ladies, look at your husband. There's hope for him. (laughs) Predetermined in such a way that it cannot be altered. Your husband one day will be like Christ. Your wife one day will be like Jesus Christ. And God is at work in our heart, changing us, life change, in Christ. And Sugar Creek is simply saying, God, this is your great goal and purpose. God, we want to get in on what you're doing, and we will be a part. You can use us to help people's lives change to be like Jesus. There's one more part of this purpose statement I want you to notice. To love and lead all people, all people in life change to Christ. We live in a very unique area. Have you noticed this? Go to restaurants, you go to grocery stores. Have you noticed what a unique area that we live in? Fort Bend County is called the most ethnically diverse county in America. In America. Everywhere you go. Whatever restaurant, you're going to hear two or three different languages spoken. You're going to see people from every background. Everywhere you go to the grocery stores. I I, I was in Walmart the other day, and I could hear people talking in French. And I thought, where is this possible that you can hear literally every single language wherever it is we go? It's like God scooped up people all over the world and deposited them right here in Fort Bend County. And so what did he do to Sugar Creek Baptist Church? He transformed this church to look like this county. Every time I get up to speak, no matter what service it is, I look across the congregation like I'm doing right now, and I am seeing people from 90 different countries in our church. 90 different countries in our church. Seventy different languages. God has created among us a taste of heaven. The Bible describes heaven in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 where he talks about and around the throne of God is every nation and tribe and language around the throne praising and giving glory to God. And at Sugar Creek, we get the opportunity literally every single Sunday to get a taste of heaven. If you struggle with prejudice, you're, you're going to be challenged in heaven because it's going to be amazingly and wonderfully diverse. And if that wasn't the case, how could he say, look around, you'll see every nation and tribe and language because in heaven, that is exactly what we look like, gathered around the throne. Today is the one-year anniversary of an event that happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, one year ago today, in which a group of people went, white supremacists went to Charlottesville, with swastikas, some of them. Swastikas, I, I, what? My father fought in World War II with millions of other American men and half a million of those men died to bring to an end the evil of Nazi swastikas and what they represented. And a group went into Charlottesville looking for a fight, a group wanted to fight them, and there were people that ended up dying as an end result. One year ago today. We're surrounded by a culture that tells us to distrust people from other ethnicities and to distrust people who think differently than you do. For a couple of decades now, we've been encouraged in this culture to be angry and suspicious and even hate those who think differently than we do. But our Bible tells us to love each other and to hear each other and to be willing to see through each other's eyes and to recognize that our greatest affiliation of our life is is not our ideologies and not our political parties and not even our ethnicities our greatest affiliation in our life is the family of God, the family we will have forever. Brothers and sisters in Christ who come in all colors and from all nationalities and who speak all kinds of languages but yet have one common bond. We have Jesus Christ living in our heart. And we are one family. God has called us to be willing to listen to each other and get to know each other and learn how to love each other and to see life from each other's eyes and to be a part of one family. Sugar Creek believes that no matter who the person is and how far away they've been from God, and no matter how it is they're living, and no matter what their skin color is, and no matter what their nationality is, and no matter what their their, their heart language is, no matter what differences there are, that every person needs Jesus. Every person needs the Lord. And that God intends for our church to open its heart to share Jesus Christ with every human being in hopes that that person will come and give their heart to Jesus Christ. To love and lead, who? All people. To life change in Christ. This is our mission. This is what God has called us to do. So the question is simply this. Why? Why should I care about a person who hates God? Why should I care about a person who does not know Jesus? Why should I care about somebody else? Because the Bible teaches us that a person who dies without Christ will spend eternity in hell. These are the words of Jesus. Listen to what he said. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then listen to what he said in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is Jesus speaking. In fact, Jesus talked more about the subject of hell and its reality than any other person in the Bible. And Jesus, when he's talking about hell, talks about it as being a place of punishment, talks about it being eternal. He talks about it as being the most terrible place that we could ever imagine. One person described it to me this way. He said, imagine this whole eternal thing. Imagine a bird. And imagine this bird being able to take one grain of sand off the beach and fly all the way to the moon and deposit that grain of sand. How long would that take? And imagine that this bird has somehow the ability to take every grain of sand on the entire globe, on the whole earth, and transport it all the way to the moon. And by the time that bird got finished, eternity would have just begun. In Revelation chapter 14, hell is described as an unending death and a place of God's wrath. It is described as a place of torment. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. But the same Bible says that for all those who put their trust in Christ, They will not perish, but they will have eternal life. Every single one of us in this room, every one of us, have members of our family and extended family and friends and classmates and and, and coworkers and neighbors and friends. Every one of us know people in our lives that do not know Christ, have not committed their heart by faith to Christ, And if they do not receive Christ, this is what Jesus says will happen. If we don't care who will, The Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, God has called me to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they might receive forgiveness of sins. No one can save another person, only God. But he does use us to love and lead. He does use us when we open our mouths, when we care for others. When we share Christ with others, He does use us to touch their life, to touch their heart, to turn them from darkness to light, to receive forgiveness of their sins too. God has never called us to use our Bible and beat it over somebody's head or to browbeat someone or criticize or berate them. But as 1 Peter chapter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this With gentleness and with respect and God has said to our church this is your prime objective this is the purpose that you exist for this is why I called you together so that this church could make an impact in the lives of people that need Jesus and that mission is not finished As long as we draw breath. Dr. John Bassanio was the the senior pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church for 30 years. Just an amazing man. I so, so respect him and so admire his life. He was the interim pastor of Sugar Creek. Between Pastor Fenton Moorhead and myself, he was the interim pastor of this church for a little while such a, an amazing man. I had the privilege of working with him for three years directly and he and I just became deep, close friends. Last Sunday morning, God called him home. Last Sunday morning, he went to heaven and his mission is done. What a great job he did. Well done, good and faithful servant. But you and I are still here. And as long as we're drawing breath, we've been given a mission from God and we must embrace our mission. God always uses ordinary people to fulfill his extraordinary mission. You look at those disciples, my soul. These guys for three and a half years, at jesus they were with Jesus. They, they had arguments with each other, fought each other. They were jealous of each other. They couldn't get it. They never could seem to get anything figured out that seemed to be as clear as a bell. And when you look at them and you're reading the gospels and you're thinking, are you serious? All of Christianity depends on you guys. But when the Holy Spirit of God came into them, after Jesus had left and the Holy Spirit came in them and empowered them, the most amazing thing happened in their lives. And they literally turned the world upside down. I, there's a verse in uh, uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. And it is, a, uh, Paul has gone into another town, Thessalonica, and the leaders of the town are so mad he's telling people about Jesus. And here's their statement. Those who have turned the world upside down have now come here too. Oh, may that be what people say about us. They had turned the world upside down because of their passion for the mission. Alone you and I can make an impact, but together we can change our world. And that is what God is calling us to do. Churches that are driven by God's purpose have God's blessing on them. And the key to our church being blessed by God is for us to clearly understand why we're here, why we exist, and passionately embrace God's mission. So I'm asking you, would you open your mouth? Would you tell people about Jesus? Would you invite people to Christ? Would you invite people to church? Would you be used by God in your family and in your work and and in your classes when you're about to start school now, in your neighborhoods? Would you open your mouths and let God use you to touch the lives of people around you? And together, the most amazing thing will happen. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, God will use us to make an eternal difference. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, thank you for the truth of your word and thank you for the mission. Why are we here? Why do we exist? Oh God, it's so clear. Oh God, I pray that you would burn inside of our hearts today that called open our mouths to share Jesus with others and use us to make a difference in the lives of others that we know and people that we meet Use us to make a difference for the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those in this room that have never come to know Christ as their Savior yet that this would be the day of salvation for them, that they would give their heart to the Lord today. And Father, I pray for those that are visiting with us and Lord, that they have that sense in their heart that this is their church, that today they'd make that decision to make this their church. But God, for most of us in this room, Oh, God, move in our heart and use us in a fresh commitment way. Use us for your kingdom's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.